Hello everybody, uh, Timmy here in post. There was an issue with uh, episode 10 and it looks like we won't be able to give you guys that one. So please enjoy episode 11 and uh, episode 10 simply never happened. Thanks a bunch. Hello and welcome to Warehouse 69, the Fediverse's finest Warehouse 13 Watch podcast. I'm Princess Grace, and with me as always is my co-host, Timmy. How you doing, Timmy? I'm doing pretty good. How are you today, Grace? Oh, can't complain. Thanks for asking. There's a lot of good stuff to talk about today with Season 2, Episode 11 of Warehouse 13, Buried, Part 1 of a Two-Parter, directed by Steven Surjic, written by Robin Adams and Mike Johnson, original air date September 14th, 2010. Yeah, we're coming up on a uh, season finale, so uh, we got to kick the uh, the plot into high gear because uh, they didn't really do anything all season. Yeah, they mostly just kind of fucked around, had a crossover. Weird season. Like, a lot of mm-hmm. episodes that are pretty strong on their own. Like, there was some good stuff in there, but there's also a lot of, uh, you know... They sure took their time with this whole Helena thing, huh? Right, I... I like what happened, especially when they weren't pushing plot, because I think they write really good standalone episodes. Yeah, they're they're good at doing Monster of the Week. But, like, it, it feels a little awkward the way they paced this, because all of the first season, it was building, 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 and then you got, you know, a couple episodes devoted to McPherson. Here yeah. it was nothing, 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 building, building, and then you're done. Yeah, like, yeah, we get Helena, and then we get, like, they kind of forget about her. We we have to ask, when do, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory until, like, you know, season seven? Right, they set seven. this up at the very, like, at the end of the previous season. Like, yeah, like they we, were yeah. ready to roll straight into it, and then they just didn't. Yeah, like, you know. She killed McPherson, already is like, oh, we got, you can't trust H.G. Wells, we gotta get her, and then nobody makes any effort to get her and doesn't mention her name. Right. <laughs> Very strange. But, luckily, we're through with that, because now she's a part of our team. Yeah, well, <laughs> except for uh, the events of this episode, sure do happen. Yeah, that that's certainly true. So, the episode opens with, uh... Pete and Kelly, uh, and Pete's having an awkward conversation about them moving in together? Yeah, like, Jeez, you've been dating for, like, a week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's... Time is weird here, but it, it certainly doesn't seem like they've been dating for very long in the narrative. Right, like, they usually imply that a substantial amount of time has passed between episodes. Mm hmm But, like... What in the world? Like, it still seems a little early to be talking about moving in with one another. Yeah, like, remember, like, because, uh, yeah, because, like, she and Pete, like, met in episode three of the season, wherein, again, she hated him. Right. <laughs> but, like, and, and, and then, you know, 
couple episodes ago they were sleeping together, and now right. we're here. We're like, you know, she's yeah, like it, making jokes about moving in together, and P's like, oh, oh my god, do I love this woman? Ah, yeah, right. And how do I deal with my super secret job? Yeah, and so- uh, yeah, Pete. Forget where this comes up, but you can also tell it was written in tw- 2010 because uh, Pete says, oh, no, you didn't. <sighs> Thanks, okay. Pete. Yeah. Yeah, there was certainly some, uh, some very dated uh, lines in here. But yeah. yeah, Pete's asking the girls at the office about it, and uh, Mrs. Frederick walks in. And he yeah. sort of stammers through it. Yeah. So there, the there's girl- some. There, yeah. So there's some good stuff before this. First of all, we get a a multi white streak Claudia, which is a good look on her. It looks like. Light. Oh yeah, it's like curled too. Yeah. Up so, until this point, she's been uh, she's been like flat ironed. Yeah. So this is a good Claudia, uh, and uh, yeah, Helena um certainly does imply she's uh bi, which is pretty good. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh Yeah, when Pete's asking about uh dealing with the opposite sex, she's like, many of my lovers are were of the opposite sex. Yeah, many many of my lovers were men, which is like <laughs> finally some represent well Right. More by I'll, representation. I I'll take what I can get. Uh and then uh like there, there's a thing where um, I think it's Micah asks. Uh, yeah, Pete's like really rude to Micah for no reason. Like, implies that she can't. She's bad at relationships or something. It's really weirdly hostile. But um, also like she asks him. Sorry, good. Let's take a moment, just as an aside, to do a special shout out for the uh, the other warehouse sixty nine pod. Wait, which one did I want to shout out? Oh shit. <laughs> Uh, Oh yeah, the other Warehouse 13 pod, not the other Warehouse 69 pod. That would be weird. A podcast about our podcast. Right. No, uh, Podcast 13 shouts out to them. They're, uh, they seem to really, uh, be into the, uh, Micah and HG ship. And good, if good there choice. were ever any episode any episode with evidence for it, it's this one for sure. Yeah, like it's happened a couple of times. There have like HG oh, yeah. is clearly interested in Micah. Like this has happened a couple of times, but this episode like as soon as she said that I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, I can see those AO three ships. I get it. I yeah, got it before, it, but like, you know, I get it. Right. If this is what you're into, they're certainly uh planting the seeds. Yeah. But uh, anyway, there's a, a a scene where Micah, I think it's Micah, asks, you're at a restaurant, you order desserts, the waitress cuts it in half, you're at a, a, you're at a dinner with Kelly, that is, the waitress cuts the dessert in half, one piece is slightly bigger, who get you know, who gets the bigger piece, and he's like, well, she gets it, and everyone's like, oh, you love her. Right. <laughs> maybe, like... Maybe it's because I don't have straight person relationship brain, but like, isn't that basic courtesy? 
No, it's an immutable uh, sign that you uh, love someone, actually. <laughs> fellas, <laughs> fellas, is it love to, you know, be a good host, to offer basic politeness? Right. <laughs> uh, fellas, is it, are you in love if you're pretty full and don't want to have a lot of desserts? <laughs> Very strange. Uh, but then Mrs. Frederick shows up. And and as other... Pete stammers through uh, explaining what was going on when she walked in, everyone else just sort of uh, vanishes. Yeah. And Mrs. F explains that uh, there can only be one Highlander. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> You're yep. allowed to tell one person about the nature of the warehouse, apparently. Yeah. Which, that seems reasonable. Uh, and then, uh... We, we cut, cut away to Egypt? Yep. Where we see some... I guess American students? Uh, they're walking through some kind of bazaar. Uh, one guy, like, makes a weird joke about, Oh, yeah, I'm gonna get a harem. Because there's exactly three women in a harem, I guess. Uh, and then they get spontaneously TF'd into mummies. Yeah, they uh they just desiccate in front of everyone. Yeah, they they get desiccated in front of God and everyone. They dry right out. Uh there's some pretty good CGI happening where we like the guy looks at his hands and they get all wrinkly and dried out. And then we uh we zip off to beautiful Pittsburgh. It's worth noting that the last time we had a flyover shot of Pittsburgh uh, it looked exactly the same. It was exactly the same flyover shot. <laughs> well, it's still Pittsburgh, ain't it? That's true. And it's still Pittsburgh from exactly the same angle. So if you're real into the Roberto Clemente Bridge, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> For all you Pittsburgh heads out there. Right. If you've got a favorite bridge, there's like a 10-15% chance it's in this shot. <laughs> there uh, were like six or seven bridges in this shot but uh there are a lot of bridges in pittsburgh welcome to warehouse 69 the bridge lakers warehouse 13 podcast anyways um then what happens in pittsburgh i didn't write anything down about that my next note uh, is about like Ms. it's Frederick just where they're from stuff. like they talk to oh, their right. mom oh yeah yeah but uh I think before this, we get a shot of Mrs. Frederick saying, uh, she's saying something in Daimotic, uh, which translates to, the penalty is death. And the penalty was death for those three, uh, teenagers from, or college students from Pittsburgh. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you know up to at least no Pittsburghian college students die from spontaneous mummification a year? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Mrs. F is suddenly afflicted with a case of sp- speaking demotic, mm-hmm. uh, which conveniently Helena knows because she's a uh, foreign language, uh, a dead languages buff. Yeah, she's a big fan of those dead languages. Convenient, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and Claudia has a computer that just beep boops out the right answer anyway. Yeah, like it's... Why, why do you need to have Helena 
be the dead language door if Claudia has the magic translator anyways. So to, like, Google Translate didn't have the uh, didn't have the detect language feature yet. Oh, that makes sense. It was <laughs> you have a big dial and you have to turn it to demotic. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Uh, and then we go to Pittsburgh, and uh, you know, Micah and Helena have to you know go question this crying widow lady. Not widow, right. mother. Mo- she's the kid's mom, I believe. And uh, yeah. And she's, all, she's crying, and the Helena kid's goes, sister. Yep, Helena goes and talks to Gabby, uh, the the younger sister, uh, and yeah, the, every Helena and really this show takes it takes every opportunity to remind us that Helena's daughter died. They they love bringing that up. It's her whole thing, right? She, she keeps talking about it. Um, yeah, she gets less character traits than the rest of the uh, primary cast. Yeah. So, like, they really need to milk the ones she does have. Yeah. <sighs> like, look, Claudia can know... Helena can know dead languages just like Pete's deaf sister. It's fine. Uh, yeah. So, long story short, Helena talks to Gabby, uh, says some... <sighs> Says some weird stuff again about her dead daughter. And, um, I don't think she, like, tells she brings it up necessarily, but, like, it's definitely, like, there's a lot of, oh, yes, my daughter was around your age sort of situation. And then she looks at the kid's laptop, and, oh, look at that. There's a picture of her brother standing in front of some convenient hieroglyphs before he died. Right, which, when we were in Egypt, he was sending that photo. And uh, the other guys were complaining because no one's supposed to know we're here. And he's like, chill out. My sister is eight. Mm -hmm. And like, theoretically, that would be true if they didn't get instantly mummified. Yeah. But honestly, it was probably a good thing that he sent the photo. Yeah. And then, uh, yep. And then blah, blah, blah. Um. they send the they send the picture to the warehouse. Uh, Claudia has her magic computer like unblack and whiteify it, unfisheye it from the Farnsworth, and restore the missing borders of the image that got cropped out. So the thing that shocked me most is her computer just has a live feed from the Farnsworth. Yeah, like how is that interfacing? Like you would think you'd have to at least plug it in. Yeah, unless there's, like, another Farnsworth in there, or... It's very strange. Maybe. I mean, she does have her own Farnsworth, and they were using Artie's. Who who knows, maybe she has a camera, like, trained on the, uh... Where where the Farnsworth would be. I mean, Artie does have that nice little, uh, tray he likes to keep his Farnsworth on. Yeah. But he had his in his hand. (laughs) Yeah, very strange. But long story short, uh, we find out that these uh, they go into the ancient archives, which is just a, a big old pyramid inside Warehouse Thirteen, and they find out that this was a uh, this is Warehouse Two. Right. the The students stumbled upon Warehouse Two, mm-hmm. which you know, big deal. No one's been able to find Warehouse Two ever since they buried it. 
Yeah, uh, the, the thing where we find out where whoever was, like, the Egyptians or whoever, like, had Warehouse 2 were getting invaded. And they didn't have a lot of time to, like, properly decommission, so they buried it. But burying things takes a lot of time. Maybe not when it's a gigantic pyramid warehouse. <laughs> oh, no, like, who knows, maybe there's some, maybe there's some uh, thing-bearing artifact. Right. You can bury an arbitrarily large thing. It's just you can't unbury it, so people don't make much use of the artifact. Yeah. Because it's really inconvenient to be able to bury anything if you can't unbury it, too. Yeah. Makes sense. And, uh, basically we find out that, uh, Warehouse 2 has woken up, has been woken up by these guys, and it has established a psychic connection with Mrs. Frederick, because the warehouse is more organic than other structures. Yeah, apparently the warehouse and its caretaker are in a sort of symbiotic relationship where Mrs. Frederick knows every object that's stored in the warehouse... <laughs> and the warehouse will literally just, like, collapse in on itself if something bad happens to Mrs. Frederick. Yeah, and uh, as we see here, Warehouse 2 woke up, could not find its caretaker because its caretaker has been dead for 2,000 years, found Mrs. Frederick, and is currently trying to upload a lot of information into her head, which will make her apparently die. Maybe her head will explode. Right, because of the impossibility of hosting two networks on one server. Like, yeah, uh, Claudia <laughs> says, like, two networks, one server, which is, like, that's that's nothing, Claudia. That's, like, a thing servers do. Yeah, that's, that is, <laughs> like, often, the, that is often the point of your server, even. Like, this is a major use case. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the fucking, like, Wi-Fi router in your house... That is a ser that is a server that is on two networks. It's on the internet, and it's on the local network in your house, and it doesn't explode. It's fine. That's its job. <laughs> right. Like she could she should have said, you know, hard drive over full or like she could have said stack overflow and it wouldn't it wouldn't have made any more sense, but it would have like been more evocative. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. She uh, yeah, so, so they have to hook Mrs. F up to a fancy brain scanner thing. Yeah, it's got a moon on and everything, and when the moon is eclipsed, it means Mrs. Frederick is going to die. <laughs> right. It's, I don't know why they put the moon on there, but it's a nice touch. It's very poetic. Yeah, when the, uh... When the moon goes to the doodad, uh... When the moon scooches over to that doodad, Mrs. F dies. Yeah. As Claudia put it. Yeah. Ah. Uh, and, uh, you know, calls are put out. Uh, the main cast, Pete, Micah, and Helena, are sent to Egypt to meet their specialist, who is Ms. Mr. Valda. Mrs. Frederick warns Pete that this, uh, will be unlike anything he's ever, uh, dealt with before. And he's like, oh, so like every day. Yeah, like this, yeah, literally my job is to deal with things I've never dealt with before. Uh. So yeah, they meet Valda in uh, Egypt. He's got like a uh, a white trilby on. 
looking real uh, out of place. I think that was mostly just so he would be easy to find, though. Yeah, like he's, you know, he's just a guy in a Panama hat, um, who is, I think, I forget what it looked like he was doing, like he was playing chess or something, who knows, but here we are. Yeah, Pete, Pete's a little on edge because uh, last time he saw Valda, he was trying to kill him. Yeah, and Valda says something like, "What might even make it? Might, might even make it out of here alive, assuming you don't try to kill me again, Pete." <laughs> right. Uh, which you know, I was going to say that wasn't Pete's fault, but it was Pete's fault for like ignoring a "Do not touch it" sign for no reason. So. I was going to say that, uh, you know, it wasn't Pete's fault that he tried to kill Vada, but it absolutely was. Like, Pete was like, Pete ignored Micah and also some signs and also really common sense in his line of work and just like went and touched a bunch of bullshit for no reason. Yeah, uh, most everything that happened there was pretty easily avoidable by Pete just literally not doing any of the stuff he shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, yeah, the entire, the entire, all of the events of that episode were kicked off by Pete doing something wildly dangerous for no reason. Right. Uh, Valda explains that, uh, mind, body, soul has been found in a lot of uh, the writings about Warehouse 2, mm-hmm. so maybe that means something to us. And Helena loses her big trench coat and reveals that she is dressed like Laura Croft. Yeah. <laughs> out to raid tombs. Yep, she's very much doing a Tomb Raider thing. And yeah. uh, <laughs> Oh, I found that this is what, uh, this is what all the hot arche- British ar- archaeologists are wearing today. Uh, yeah. this, is what, uh, this is what American filmmakers think British archaeologists are wearing these days which is the tomb uh, I don't know if they're like referring to a specific movie because I, I don't think the, the Tomb Raider film was more recent than that right I think it may have been uh, video game video game 2001 film Laura Croft Tomb Raider oh there you go yeah, it came out a long time ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would have been out for, you know... And hell, there was even a sequel in Odd 3. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that still would have been on the public consciousness. The fact that she dresses like that wasn't a filmmaker's idea. It, it was a horny video game company's idea, but regardless. Right. Yeah, but I think the idea is... Uh... Helena was trying to work out what to wear, and so she asked media, and media told her exactly what they uh, will always tell her. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, she's going to Google, you know, what do British archaeologists look like, and yeah, that that's about what you would have gotten. Right. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, she's doing a Tomb Raider thing. Um, Micah certainly does look at HG for a while. She's she's having some gay thoughts about the situation. Yeah, I I don't know that uh, the podcast is prepared to take an official stance on uh, the shipping status, but <laughs> like this episode certainly supports a particular position. Yeah, like look, I'm a lesbian. I have my tastes. Uh, 
Anyways. Up, up, uh. Maybe we should take, maybe we should like advocate for a different ship just to spice things up. Right. Yeah, Welcome there's already one podcast that uh, that ships these two. Uh, Welcome to Warehouse 69, the Fediverse's premier clarity podcast. <laughs> uh, no. No, absolutely not. Uh, anyways, uh, Pete calls Kelly, and he's, uh, you know, because he somehow has cell coverage in the middle of this random Egyptian valley that is apparently out of the way enough that they do archaeological digs in it. But, uh, Secret archaeological digs. Blah. <laughs> but, long story short, he he does this whole thing where he tries to, you know, hey, I'm going into a meeting, and basically he tries to, like, square the circle of, I might not come back, I'm, I might die out here, and I work for the IRS. Um, yeah, and, and then... He gets cut off by the answering machine that just says, your time is up, goodbye. Yeah, which is not what voicemail systems sound like. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they say, like, you know, oh, A, like, you can leave longer messages than that. I've, I've had them. And B, they say, like, you know, they beep at you and say, like, to play back your message, press 1. To right. re-record your message, press 2. But it was good for a little quip where yeah. he's just like... Yeah, that was what I was worried about. <laughs> yep. And, uh, long story short, they go into this, uh, they go into this pyramid. They, uh, they go into this pyramid, uh, and, uh, the first puzzle of the Mind, Body, and Soul trio, there are three separate puzzles, is the Cracker Barrel Peg Game. Peg right. Solitaire Game that you everybody mean the loves. Pancake Palace Peg <laughs> Solitaire Game. <laughs> Ah, which is... <laughs> yeah, uh, luckily they have a pancake expert in Pete, and he knows exactly how to solve this puzzle. Mm-hmm. Which, like, realistically, it, you would think if anyone's solving the mind puzzle, it's not gonna be Pete. Yeah, but Pete gets a whole, like, at the end of the episode, he's like, you know, oh, look at me, I'm Pete, I solved two puzzles today. Right. <laughs> and and one of them was because, like, real talk, like, why would this ancient Egyptian secret pyramid have the fucking Cracker Barrel Peg puzzle? And the second one is, like, the second one required Pete to solve the puzzle using information only he had. So, like. Right. Come on, Pete. Well, I mean, also, I don't know that the night sky is the same in Egypt as it is where uh, Pete grew up in Canton, Ohio. Yes, and I'm pretty sure it would have shifted over 2,000 years, at least a little bit. Right, but probably not enough to matter. But, like, and the actual sky is, like, he, he's at a radically different latitude. Yeah, like, you know. If you go to Australia, they have different constellations because they see different stuff there. Right, they're pointing a different direction. Yeah. <laughs> but we will get to that. Uh, for now, um, they're solving this... Basically, the ceiling is going to slowly crush them unless they solve this peg solitaire puzzle. 
in time. Uh, they do, of course. But um, right, Mrs. Frederick's free pancakes for a year. Hmm. Free pancakes for a year. Yeah. And then one must die. Yes. Ah. It's... Honestly, the fucking Towers of Hanoi would have been a better puzzle. Come on. Yeah. Oh. (sighs) I think they might do a Towers of Hanoi at some point. Good. Good and normal. Um... (laughs) Ah. I think I remember a Towers of Hanoi. Ah. <laughs> uh. Like I, I remember like seeing the, like we see the sun, we see the scene. We um, like when the scene opened and uh, like I saw like it was a bunch of pegs arranged in a triangle with one missing. It's like, oh, it's fucking peg solitaire, isn't it? And. Lo and behold. But it's ancient Egyptian peg solitaire. It wasn't played out by that point. (laughs) (laughs) 2,000 years ago, this was a much fresher puzzle. They hadn't invented Cracker Barrel or anything. Right. (laughs) Uh, But regardless, uh, we go on to the next room, the body test, which has a bunch of pits with slicey boys and also fire. Right, and, for good effect, for good measure. Yeah, and for some reason, Pete thinks he can do a, a sort of racist karate situation through it. Yeah, because it's apparently uh, related to an ancient Egyptian martial art. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the martial art was, but, you know. Yeah, yeah it certainly wasn't... Pete says karate, which is wrong in a lot of directions, and also, I don't think something Pete knows, and somehow nobody stops him from, like, charging into the ca- the course and getting himself set on fire. Right. <sighs> but, uh, long story short, um, A, Volda reads One Must Die on, in the hieroglyphs on the wall, and also Helena just kind of grappling hooks everyone across. Yeah, the uh, the test of body turns out is uh, easily overcome if you have a grappling hook. Yeah, and really slippery belts. Yeah, it's it's wild <laughs> that like Pete, Mike, and Helena all have belts, but but Volda, who is clearly like wearing slacks or something, like he is he's wearing the kind of pants you would wear a belt with. Right, he strikes me as the sort of dapper fellow who would consider not wearing a belt a faux pas. Yeah, like, Volda uh, like is... Like, not even counting the utility of wearing a belt when you're a, an Egyptian explorer. Yeah, exactly. It's... Yeah, it's... It's wild that he's not wearing a belt, but... Maybe he is, because, like, he reads One Must Die, and so he decides he's going to be the one. And so he right. he gives Pete the ancient Egyptian key and says, like, the water bearer... Must hold the key or something like that. Yeah. And he get he gives it to Pete, and then Volta climbs across on this, you know, on this, you know, line on his hands. Again, right, just because, hand over hand. Yeah, and then basically he just kind, you know, he just kind of falls into the fire. He like does this whole heroic sacrifice thing. He's like, you oh don't don't come and get me. 
Because, like, and let's be real here. As soon as we heard the phrase, one must die, you knew it was Valda. Right. Who who are we not that, uh, that invested into? Like, the writers don't have enough characters to just kill off a character we're invested in. Yeah, like, yeah, and we know this, both because, like, we've seen media before, and also, like, Warehouse 13 has pulled this before. Like, Cardi and the Phoenix is like, oh, who's gonna die? Oh, that's right. It was Mrs. Frederick's driver who doesn't have a name. Yeah, he never speaks. Uh, (laughs) Or we need to kill off someone else that will have some sort of emotional impact. Let's do Dickinson. Anyone remember (laughs) that guy? Oh, no, not Dickinson. Not Steve Goodfeather, the NSA guy. (laughs) Right. Yeah, there, there's always extremely low-stakes narratively uh, deaths. Yeah. Which, I guess, was poor for the course at the time, but it's still very, like, okay, thanks. Right, it would be a lot more fun to watch this show if the deaths weren't only exclusively the person who's allowed to die at that given point. Yeah, like, yeah, it, like, the show says one of these people is going to die. Like, ooh, is it going to be this guy we don't care about? Right. Not, not Valda. Not the guy whose first name I can't remember. Yeah, it's Benedict, but, like, yeah. no one ever uses his first name anyway, yeah. so it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, they wander off into the next room, uh, and this one hypnotically induces you seeing your deepest desires basically yeah so yeah so we cut back to the so here lies valda he never scored uh we see (laughs) mrs frederick is not doing great and uh she squeezes the the metal like the metal chair arm she's in so hard it bends it um and she says something that translates to like yeah two will lose their way or whatever Right. Three survive, two will lose their way. Which, like, would have been pretty cool and ominous if we didn't just see which one of them died. Um, Yeah. And then, yeah, there's a giant Medusa head, which, um, not Egyptian. Right. Yeah, you're certainly uh, mixing your your cultures there a little bit. Yeah. Um, But I guess it it is a warehouse full of spooky shit, so... Which, and this was, like, kind of, this was, like, kind of either contemporary with or after Ancient Greece, right? I'm bad at, like, the timeline shit. I believe they explicitly said that the Romans were conquering Egypt when they sunk it. Mm-hmm. So, I think that puts it before Ancient Greece, but, like, the Romans carried the same myths the Greeks did, like, yeah. just... Just a different name for the same. Yeah. So it's it's reasonable that they would have an evil Medusa head. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it might have been cutting edge technology at the time to get an evil Medusa head in there. Yeah. And then, so. Yep, and then, long story short, it, it sucks you into a sort of fantasy world where yeah, Pete is making out with Kelly and telling her that she's the one, she's his one. Um, You know, the thing that's fucked up about this is the reason Micah doesn't lose her way 
is because she's a big nerd who just wants Artie to say nice things to her. Like, it's, it's really weird that, like, we see Helena having, like, a tearful reunion with her daughter. We see, you know, Pete making out with, uh, you know, making out with Kelly and telling her he loves her. And Micah's, um, there with Drinking Artie. Drinking hot cocoa. <laughs> like, yeah, like, Artie made her a fancy coffee and has a really tough case with a lot of little details. Oh, um, it was a fancy coffee. Yeah, it was like and a, it was a, an a Americano with a this and a that. It favorite. was an Americano with an extra shot and room. <laughs> you you don't order room if you're getting a coffee and like drinking it directly. Yeah, like you order room for cream. Yeah, like and she just drinks it like ah, my favorite. Like, what what, what did you need the room for then? <laughs> right. Uh. Yeah, so she was having a double espresso with hot water. Yes. But not too much hot water. <laughs> <laughs> but leave a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also Artie in her... Artie is wearing a lab coat in her imagination. She's got a lot going on in her imagination. Yeah, like, Artie is wearing, like, a lab coat or something, which we will never, we never see him wear. Right. Oh, here's a new case. It's got lots of, uh, little details just right up your alley. Yeah, and, yeah, and she figures it out because Artie is saying too many nice things to her. Right. But, like, it's so, so appalling that she doesn't have anything she wants more than this. Yeah, no, it's, it's, like, it's really weird. Like, maybe P was right when he said that, but it's, I know, it's really weird that, it, I don't know, it doesn't involve her parents. It doesn't involve, like... It doesn't involve books, like... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, remember when she got her, uh, her belongings? Mm-hmm. And she was absolutely giddy, just, like, beside herself. Yeah. Like, that was a scene where you felt it. Like, it was weird and nerdy, but, like, in a really endearing way. Yeah. And then they do this, and it's just not that. Like, you already wrote this exact scene and did it really well, but you didn't do it well this time. Yeah, it's like, like, as a writer, like, introducing this sort of, like, you know, sh being as, like, what is your character's, like, greatest desire? What do they want? What is the thing they want most in the world? It makes sense for Helena. You know, if there's right. one thing she cares about, it's her daughter. Like, that has been established. I believe that. You know, yeah, Pete, and like, Pete... I, Pete, I get it. Like, this has been on his mind. He wants to, like have someone to share this with. He seems to really like Kelly. I get it. Micah, right. it's like, it, it reads like a joke. It's like, yeah, it really her fantasy does. is work. She yeah, loves her fantasy is showing up to work and her boss being a little nicer to her. Yeah, her, her boss is nicer and gives her a, a really, some really tough work to chew on. Right. Where we've already seen the sort of stuff she really digs, like, we got to see her dance around her room with, like, a stuffed animal or whatever, and, like, just absolutely, like, 
just love that she got her books. Like, we know things she likes. Yeah, like, she likes books. Like, wouldn't she can fantasize about, like, her fucking, like, maybe her dad, like, says some nice shit to her. Like, (sighs) it's frustrating. Right. And yet, despite the fact that that Micah's greatest fantasy includes Artie, there are no Micah Artie ships on AO3. <laughs> uh, which, yeah, I get it. So Artie- throughout this whole uh, this whole exchange where we're seeing all of these people's deepest desires, mm. it's all like less colorful. Yeah. And there's something that is bright red just, like, hanging out in the background somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's apparently the key, because that's the uh, eyes of the Medusa that are glowing red. Mm. And Micah manages to acknowledge it, because in this case, it's an exit sign in the warehouse that doesn't belong. Yeah, she, like, notices this big red glowing exit sign and walks to it, and that's how you get out of the fantasy. Okay. I'm glad they labeled the way out. <laughs> yeah, because like her, her dream already is like, oh, no, don't worry about it. Here, come over here. I'll, I'll show you. Don't worry about it. Come on. And she's like, what is this exit sign? I, where does it lead out to? And like, there, boom, she wakes up and she shakes everyone else out of it. Right. Yeah, then uh, the best way to beat a puzzle is to throw a torch at its eye. Yeah, which... I guess is what you're supposed to do? Like, remember, this is, like, canonically the way that Warehouse 2 agents would get in back in the day. Uh, this is the second... This is, like, the extra lockdown procedure. Mm, fair enough. Like, they they triggered all of these at when they sunk it. Makes sense, makes sense. Like it, you didn't have to do this every day for work. Yeah, that that would one, make sense. One must not die. Yeah, every that, single day. That makes sense. All right, who's it gonna be today? Steve, with your straws, get in the pit. <sighs> but yeah, so we've uh, we've made it uh, all the while. Uh, Mrs. Frederick's uh, health has been. Getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Dr. Vanessa Calders That's uh, right. has shown up and she's uh, there to help. But we're learning a lot about the nature of the warehouse because they get out this, uh, this piece of ribbon and uh, are explaining to Claudia... That she's going to have to take over as the caretaker of the warehouse if uh, Mrs. Frederick doesn't pull through. Yep. Uh, it's also Vanessa Calder, singular. And okay. Just the one Calder. And um, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of basically. Look, if she doesn't make it, Claudia, um, you're going to have to be the new caretaker of custodian. I think is the word they use, or caretaker. It's caretaker of Warehouse 13 because. They're never really clear why it has to be Claudia. Like, just like, you know, it's faded. The wheels within wheels are turning. Uh, It is your destiny or whatever. So I think that that's actually, like, 
a regent plan long term. Mm-hmm. When Claudia came on board, they're like, she's going to be the next uh, caretaker should we need one. Mm. Like, I think they always have someone in mind, but sure. when Claudia came on board, she became that someone. Sure. You know, you got to have a backup. Like yeah. Lena was before. Mm-hmm. It's weird that Lena isn't now. Where is Lena? Yeah, like... Yeah, like, they had... Also, like, backing... So, at the very beginning of the episode, Pete is making breakfast for Kelly, and he get, he serves her... A banana cut in half because they each need half of it. Um, right. Can they not afford to it, go to the grocery store? It, it's a bed and <laughs> breakfast. Why don't why is all they have for breakfast one banana? Why Right. <laughs> it's a singular breakfast. There is one bed and one breakfast, and we all have to share them. We all have to under communism, we all have to share the banana. <laughs> uh yeah, like, very strange, but, yeah, so, Claudia's, like, not into this. She is, because, like, after, it was kind of sprung on her, like. Right, this is a lot of responsibility that yeah. she hasn't had any opportunity to consider. Yeah, like, I get that this is, like, secret warehouse time, and there are reasons not to tell someone they're next in line for the throne, but it's. It sure does seem like they're springing a lot on Claudia and just expecting her to be okay with it. They don't even, like, necessarily right. tell her, like, okay, this is what the job entails. Let me get you the, the briefing. Let me get you the pamphlet that says, so, you're about to have a warehouse uploaded into your head. Right. No, they're just like, uh, okay, hope you're ready. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And they come extremely close to having to do it when uh, Pete and Micah finally solve the uh, constellation puzzle. Yep. So, what happens here is uh, Pete, Mike, and Helena like rush into the uh, Warehouse 2 equivalent of Artie's office. Uh, they see, like, a big glowy thing that is, like, clearly bad. They're like, oh, well, that must be it. Um, r- you know, rush into the room. Helena goes off somewhere. Pete and Micah, like, find a wall that is studded with holes such that, I guess, the daylight can shine through into the dark room. And... Even though I think they're deep underground. Yeah. Yeah, like, isn't the whole... Isn't its whole gimmick that it was buried? Yeah, but it's not like firelight. Like, not only is it buried, it's... Uh... Yeah, it's, it's like, it's pure white. It's It's, like, LED stuff, which I get. It's... It's magic warehouse nonsense. It's whatever, but it's... Yeah, they're also out of range of the Farnsworths at the time. Mm-hmm. Although I think we're going to learn a lot about that in episode 12. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Do-do-do. And long story short, Pete's like, Oh, as we were talking about earlier, Oh, this looks like the night sky. I used to look at this all the time. And... He remembers that when Valdi gave him the key, he told him, uh, you know, the water bearer holds the key, or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, then Pete puts the key inside the constellation of the water bearer, which, I guess, is a constellation? Aquarius. Ah, alright, fair enough. And, oh, he turns off the thing, yeehaw, 
uh, they do it, and then uh, we flash to the warehouse again, where, yeah, they're wrapping this green ribbon around Mrs. Frederick's arm, implying, like, this is how you transfer custodianship of the warehouse. Right. And then uh, they turn the thing off, it's fine, and then, you know, Mrs. Frederick is fine, we're all good, and then we find out that uh, those students were those students were hired by Helena to go look for Warehouse 2. And then Helena pulls the te- Teslas, Pete and Micah, and that's where the episode ends. Right. <sighs> yeah, so uh, we get our sudden heel turn again. Yep. Or I guess they just thought she was bad, and then suddenly she... She wasn't, and now she is again. Yeah, she was good and nice, and she helped everyone, and then she did this to betray them at the last minute. So you could say she had a face turn, and then this is her heel turn again, but I'll be honest, she never really did anything bad until now. Right, Like, the worst thing she ever did was, like, kill McPherson, and, like, I have no problem with her doing that. That seems like a good and cool thing to do. Right, exactly. So... Uh, under the trivia section in the uh, Warehouse 13 fandom wiki, mm-hmm. uh, it points out an exchange between Mrs. Frederick and Vanessa was cut, where Mrs. Frederick apologizes for bending the arms of her metal chair. Coder replies with, you should see what I can do to a tennis ball. A nod towards Bionic Woman. Oh, and that that's the show she was in? Yeah, that's the show she was in in the 70s. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, Lindsay Wagner was the bionic woman in Bionic Woman. Huh, good honor. I don't know what she could do to a tennis ball, but I'm sure what some of our listeners might. Eat it. Swallow it whole. Uh, uh, that's about it, huh? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we saved the day, sort of. I mean, we didn't have to make Claudia take on a big responsibility. And that might not have saved her anyone anyway, because, like, Warehouse 2 still was active. No, but they say something about that. Like, I think Vanessa offers to take on Warehouse 2 or something? Because Claudia does yeah. ask, like, well, like, why won't my head explode? And, uh... And, yeah, she says something about, uh... I think either Vanessa says she'll take on Warehouse 2, or maybe Lena. I forget that scene, but they do mention it. I don't think we see Lena at all. Yeah, no, she like, would is Lena... be mentioned. She's not in this episode. Yeah, she's listed as credit only, according to the wiki. Yeah. Like, she's credited in the credits, but she doesn't appear at all. Yeah, because she's in the intro. She's in the intro and everything, but yeah, she's not in right. this episode. She would either be mentioned in passing or, like, not in it at all. I want to say Vanessa offered to take on being the caretaker of Warehouse 2. This was mentioned. They did address this. Okay. If Mrs. Frederick died, no one's else, no one else's head would have had to explode that day. Okay, yeah. So, like, it's really interesting to me that this was what they had planned for Claudia. Or at least that's how I read it. Yeah. Because, like, apparently that's pretty likely... To make it so you can never be a field agent. Yeah. Like, there's a reason they don't have Mrs. Frederick running around doing field work. Yeah. (sighs) 
So but Pete, having discovered a thing or two about himself, mm-hmm. realizes that Kelly is the one that he wants to uh, tell his secret to. Yep. So she- there you go. We barely know Kelly, but, uh, you know, she's the one. Yeah, it's weird how Kelly was a more interesting character with more characterization before she started dating Pete. Right. Yeah. Now, now she's just like a a motivation for Pete. Yeah. She's like, no longer a a fully fleshed out character. Yeah. Like, I I talk about this a lot, but like, I liked her a lot when she fucking hated Pete. Like, I, I, that was a lot more interesting. Now she's just right. like, you know, the girl that likes Pete, I guess, and that they make out. <sighs> Yeah, but I think that's about all I've got for this episode. Yep, and, uh... And this is also, like, again, at the end, is, like, you know, after Pete solves the the water key boy puzzle, he's like, I'm just saying, if it was a contest, I'd win. I solved two puzzles, and you solved none. Or, right, or solved it's not one. a contest. She solved the soul But riddle. if it was, I'd be winning. Yeah, and, like, Sure, Pete guessed, Pete was correct that this was a, a fucking Cracker Barrel pe- Peg Solitaire puzzle. But the key, like, Volta only told that information to Pete. Like, he was the only one who could have solved it. Because he right. didn't tell it to Micah. Until he had already figured it out. Right. But, yeah, Pete saved the day. It was all Pete. All day long. (laughs) (sighs) This is a a real... uh, I don't know. This happens a lot where, like, Pete is the the focus or the, you know... Pete tends to be the most main character of the characters, even though you would think he and Micah would share the spotlights. Like, even... Again, going back to when we first met Kelly, like, it was still Pete doing the talking, even though Kelly did not want to talk to him, and Micah was right there, and presumably, like, she's supposed to be the cool-headed one who would be less likely to fuck up than Pete? I I know I've said it before, like, especially in the crossover episode, but, like, the Warehouse 13 writers really aren't that good at writing women. Yeah. Like, they just don't know what to do with them. Like, well, they know exactly what to do with them, but that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, like, if you're a a woman in Warehouse 13, your job is, like, your job is to, like, either appeal to the nerd boys at home or to be someone's girlfriend. Right. Or to be someone's, like, bereaved wife or mother. Yeah, like, it's really interesting to me. Ever since since we sat down and uh, talked about the crossover, it, it became so apparent just how much better uh, women were written in Eureka. Yeah. It's it's fascinating because I uh, I started listening to Podcast 13 and like the girls talk about the feminism of the episodes and like I don't. I get where they're coming from, like, a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but, like, a lot of what's going on in the show is, like, specifically bad 
as far as women's representation goes. Yeah. Like, like this this entire episode, like, Micah gets outplayed at, like, the stuff she's supposed to be good at. Like, you know. Right. <sighs> yeah, I, I think they wanted to defy expectation for the mind puzzle. But, like, literally the only reason she solved any puzzles is from not having any interesting, <laughs> like, yeah. character motivations. Yeah, yeah, the only reason she, uh, the only reason she got out of the soul puzzle is because she doesn't have any loved ones? That's fucking- Right, she's got even nothing any, like, that's important to her. Or even, like, any non-work interests. It's kind of depressing. Right, which is, for one thing, not even true. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it's just such a sad, uh, such a sad way for that puzzle to be solved. Yeah, and, like, you could work with that, like, you know, a, a more competent writing staff could do something with that, like... I mean, like have us, I think like, they wanted to... I think they wanted to defy your expectation on the mind puzzle and have Pete solve it. Yeah. So they gave the soul puzzle to Micah because of that. Yeah, but then because, Micah like, solves the soul puzzle by being crushing a crushingly lonely workaholic? Right. Where if... If you gave Pete the soul puzzle, you know how you'd solve it? He would realize that he has to get home to her. Yeah. So that he can, you know, actually tell her the thing she needs to know and, like, you know, move on with this relationship, this thing that's been eating at him. Yeah. Like, you could have written it from that perspective, and he could have had his revelation... And solved the soul puzzle. Yeah. And, like, you could write an interesting scene with Micah doing some soul searching. He's like, you know, why is my fucking fantasy work? What is wrong with me? I have to get out more. I have to, like, I have to get in touch with the things I actually like. Like, right. there's, some, there's some material there, but you know it's never going to be addressed. Oh, yeah, no way. Although, I guess, uh... I guess since we just killed off Rebecca St. Clair, uh, she was right about the warehouse consuming all of her, uh, all, consuming her entirely. Yeah. And like, I, it seems to be doing that. Yeah, like, there's some interesting stuff to play with here. Like, a, a more competent writing staff could, like, I don't know, have Micah get disillusioned with her job. Like, have her, like, realize that working for the warehouse isn't good for her. Or at least, like, she has to find something outside of work to do. She has to find I something mean, to hold on to. But they don't. Yeah, I... I think that she really does, like, thrive in the work she's doing. Mm -hmm. But, like... Because when you compare it to what she was doing before, you know, she was... Making logistical plans for how the Secret Service was going to control an area, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It all wasn't stuff that played to her strengths. Like, it's weird because they portrayed both Pete and Micah as, like, the picture of, uh, of competence in that. Yeah, like, but, like the, yeah, they're both equally good at their president-protecting job, despite the fact that Pete, like, aggressively goes against plans. Right, and um, at least to my mind, 
if you think about them currently, they're nothing like the people who are competent uh, Secret Service agents. Yeah. And, well, like, because I couldn't imagine Micah or Pete doing the pilot over again. Yeah, and, like, part of that is because, like, you can't, even though they are cops, you cannot write them as cops because you want them to be likable and interesting and you want right. to be able to root for them. But it's it's also just, like... I want to like the show. I do enjoy it. I like it enough to do this podcast about it. And I like it enough to criticize it. It's... It's frustrating in a lot of directions. Yeah. Like, even if, like... I agree. Like, I think this is the kind of work Micah likes doing. I think she does... You know. It, but... You gotta do something that isn't work. Like... I get it. I do computers for a living. I do computers in my spare time. I have other shit I do. I, like... There's a separation there. You can't let work be your life because that's going to either kill you or, at the very best, you're going to do a lot of free work for someone who is not paying you for it or isn't paying you enough. Right. Besides the fact that they're, by definition, not paying you enough because uh, that's capitalism, baby. Regardless... It's it's frustrating because like it feels like I said earlier it feels like they're it's having a joke at her expense right it's like oh you know, look at Micah her greatest fantasy is being given more work and right. her boss making her coffee I guess yeah it's I don't know this show is at times difficult because like. Sometimes it's because they get really close to getting it right, and it's infuriating because you know how close they got. Yeah, it's it's really easy to see how, like, it's really easy to see how they could have, like, made a little arc for Micah, wherein she, like, questions whether she really wants to work for the warehouse. But she doesn't. <sighs> like, and it's... Part of it is, like... I. And we've talked about this before. The show doesn't really stand up to scrutiny very well. Right. It is possible to, like, watch an episode and be like, yeah, all right, that was pretty good. And then we, you know, we get into we get into talking about it and we get really frustrated at how close it got to doing something actually good and impactful. Or Yeah, I... When I was talking about doing this show, I never for a moment thought we would spend this much time on gripes about it. Yeah. Not not that I didn't think we wouldn't find any problems, but, like, it, it's just really... It's a lot easier to get annoyed with it when you sit down and talk through the episode with someone. Yeah. Like, it's a lot easier to criticize. It's a lot easier to, like... You know, when you are going over it beat by beat with someone else, it's a lot easier to get each other started. Right. <laughs> <sighs> it's... Yeah. It's a show. I think I could have written it better. I know I say that about everything, but I think I could have helped. I glanced at the next episode, and we're that one's going to end up long because we're going to be mad about it. Oh, don't don't answer this. But does Helena die? Uh, I don't <laughs> recall immediately. So maybe. 
Uh, I'm not going to look it up. I want to be surprised, but, like, she better not. I like her. She's like... <sighs> Come on. Come on, ref, let her play. Ooh, actually, there's there's something we might actually like, too. Ooh. Like, I, I see something here that's actually pretty cool, but, uh... Yeah, I, I'm not too sure that... I, I'm not too sure I like how this season ends. Ah, jeez. I mean, given how we felt about the ending of last season, that's not terribly surprising. We, right. Like, yeah, like, the McPherson episode was... That was our three-hour-long one, right? Because we were just so fucking, like, upset about how how badly it was written. Yeah, because he was, like, bad at being a villain. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to relitigate that, otherwise we'll be here for another two hours, but... <laughs> I Whatever HG's evil plan is, it better be good. I know it's not going to be, but it better be good and make sense. It, I imagine it's a machine that, like, brings her daughter back to life or whatever. But we will see. Yeah, we will, uh, we will certainly get to talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh, this fucking show. Oh. I have so many opinions on it, and it's, it's fertile <laughs> ground, at least. I'll give it that. Right. Yeah, and... I don't know. I suspect, because I don't remember that much about the later seasons... I suspect that uh, season four gets pretty rough. You know, I've been worried that this is the peak. Uh, yeah, it, it might actually be, honestly. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know that much about the character of Steve Jinx, but I don't think I'm going to enjoy him being in the show from what like you've told me and what I've seen. I mean... It's telling that I don't really remember him. Either I just wasn't watching by the time uh, Jinx started to become a major character. But, yeah, it's a... I don't know, I think we might have, uh, we might have just hit the peak of the show. And <sighs> it's all downhill. Well, at least we'll have a lot to talk about. Yeah, that that much is true, I guess. Wait, yeah, the you can pretty you can get a pretty good feeling for how much we liked an episode by how long it is. The shorter episodes are better, or at least harder right. to complain about. Yeah. So, okay, we've got. We're not even halfway through this. We're uh, we're getting close to halfway through the series. Yeah. I'm actually really curious about season five because whatever happened in the six episode final season is really interesting to me, but I'm not going to look forward to it just yet. Like I'm going to wait till it comes around. Yeah. Cause I remember we talked about it a little bit off camera and it, uh, look, uh, a six episode season is not a good sign. It has to have been an absolute fucking mess. Like there is, <laughs> yeah, like, there's no reason, there's no way that ends well, especially given that you know they're going to try to do an arc, and, like, and that can work, but I don't have faith in the Warehouse 13 writing staff to do it well. 
Right. Oh well, we got a lot a lot to look forward to. Yeah. We got a season finale next week, yeah. and then we've got uh season three to roll right into. Hell yeah. I'm looking I'm genuinely looking forward to seeing how they resolve this cliffhanger. I'm suspect I'm going to be mad about it, but I'm looking forward to it. Right. Alright, let's go ahead and play it out. I think this is all we're all, right. all we're gonna do today. Yep, I think we're good. Uh, uh, truly it was, the Warehouse 13. I've been the internet's beloved Princess Grace. You can find my program's podcast posts and writing. Everything else is fit to plug, including my software on floppy disk and some nice office consensus maintenance stickers at princess.software and princess.software slash order. Where can we find you, Timmy? I'm Timmy at uh, George.horse and... As of recently, the show has an official Twitter, which I run. Uh, I, I probably won't post on it, but if you want to reach out to us and for some reason the email address doesn't work for you, uh, Warehouse69Pod on Twitter, uh, I'll, I'll get notifications from it. Uh, don't expect me to be posting a lot, though. Fair enough. See y'all next week. <laughs>